Welcome to Beyond the Benediction. This podcast is created for the exploration of the Bible, the examination of the church, and the expectation of the Christian life. We will cover topics that will both challenge and encourage you and help us to live lives dedicated to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Kevin Toomer. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Benediction. So glad to have you with me once again. If you are listening to this podcast via a podcast app, if you can leave a comment or leave a ranking of some sort so people can gravitate to uh, the channel and to check it out and to listen to some of the great things that we are doing here on Beyond the Benediction. Also, I have a website that is entirely dedicated to the podcast. It's called GoBeyondTheBenediction.com. You can go to my website directly and listen to all the episodes. They're uploaded there. And also on there, a couple of things you can do that you can do on a podcast app. You can actually contact me. There's a place where you can actually send me a message. If you like the, the, the podcast episode, if you don't like it, uh, be Christian. <laughs> no, I'm joking. You can be honest. If you didn't like it, feel free to comment. You know, I got thick skin. I can handle it. <laughs> also, another thing you can do on the website, you can actually leave me a voicemail. There's a button in the lower right corner where you can click on it and actually leave me a voicemail. And I'd like to hear from you. Uh, tell me if there are an episode that you've heard thus far in the early stages of me doing this that you really liked. Is something that really blessed you? Is it something that, that encouraged you? Or maybe you may have a suggestion. Maybe there's a topic that I haven't covered. That you're curious about, you want to know more about, you, you can contact me either of those ways. You either leave me a message or a voicemail. I'll be more than happy to get back with you. But I thank you so much again for listening, taking time out of your schedule just to hear and to hopefully grow as a Christian or learn about Christianity. If you're a new uh, person who's just interested in the faith or you're just coming to know Christ. All right. So let's get to the business at hand. This week's episode, I'm starting a series called Obstacles to Salvation. I want to discuss and talk about the things that are usually or typical obstacles or reasons why people don't come to Christ and don't get saved in layman's terms. So this episode, the first obstacle I'm going to talk about today is I'm a good person. Now, if you're a good person, raise your hand. Now, of course, <laughs> I can't see you raising your hand, but hopefully you didn't raise your hand. But if you did, hopefully by the time we get through this episode today, you won't raise your hand again. Now, that's not an indictment of you. It's not saying that you're a horrible person, that God has just turned his back on you. No. But when it comes to salvation, this is something I may or may not have said in the previous episode. In order for someone to be saved, they have to realize they're in danger. You have to realize that there's something that you have to be saved from. In this case, saved from our sins. So the idea, the problem, or the misnomer, rather, that we're a good person kind of leaves out room for growth. It leaves out room for God to come in and to mold us and shape us because we feel as if we're complete. We feel as if we're good. Now, the problem also lies in good is a relative term. By that, I mean, you say you're a good person, good compared to what? Now, if you say you're a good person compared to someone who's a criminal, by all means, you're a good person. 
If you're a good person compared to someone who's cheated on their spouse, by all means, you're a good person. If you're a good person compared to the person who does not want to do the right thing by people, who's not charitable, who's just does not have the right disposition or does not have a, a good heart, by those litmus tests, you would qualify as a good person. But here's the rub. Our goodness is not determined by how we compare with each other. The goodness or how good we are is compared to the standard that God has set. Our goodness is not determined by our criteria. We don't set the standard for how good we are. As a matter of fact, if you're going to go by scripture, which of course we do on this podcast, God makes it clear that we are not good people. Now, again, if you want to compare yourself to someone else, that's fine. But ultimately, God is not going to judge you and I by each other's standard of goodness. And that's one of the obstacles, hence the title of this, this episode, that people, no matter who you are, no one likes to hear that they're wrong. No one likes to be confronted with the fact that they're incorrect. No one likes to be confronted with the fact that their way of thinking is not good. And in essence, that's what happens with all of us as Christians. At some point, regardless of how you come to faith, you have to realize that Jesus died on the cross, not just because he loved us. He did. He died because we were sinners. The scripture makes it clear. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. So when Jesus was on the cross, he realized he was dying for people who were not good people. Look at it from this perspective. When he was on the cross, the same people he came to save were yelling, crucify him. Think about how, how crooked and evil and vindictive a person must be to literally kill the person who came to save you. That's in essence who we are. But let me give you a couple of scriptures. First one is Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse 20. And it says, indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous. No one who does what is right and never sins. So right off the bat in Ecclesiastes, the bar is set really low <laughs> for us because we are sinners. One more scripture. First John chapter one, starting at verse eight. I really like this scripture. Verse eight says, if we claim we have no sin, listen to this, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. I could stop right there but it gets better. <laughs> Verse nine. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Stick a pen in verse nine. We're going to reference that to some degree at the end of the episode. But now verse 10, this is the real hammer in this scripture. Verse 10 says, if we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Ouch. Scripture is a mirror and it puts it up and lets us see every wart, every wrinkle, every blemish, every scar. That may be why a lot of times we don't want to read it because the scripture is going to let us know what the real litmus test is and how much we fall short of the standard. So this episode, the whole idea that you're a good person, we are going to dispel that notion today. But at the end, we're going to let you know that there is hope that despite we're not good people, we can still be considered God's people. 
And that's all glory due to him. So now, why are we not good people? We already established because we can't compare ourselves and God set the standard. But let me give you three points of why we're not good people. The first reason is simply we are born in sin. We're born sinners. Now, you might say, well, you mean to tell me when I was a baby, I was a sinner? Yes, you were. When I was five years old in kindergarten? Yes, you were. (laughs) You were a sinner and I was a sinner back then. Well, here's a scripture. Psalm 51, verse five. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Look at that scripture. So before you even came out of your mother's womb, before you could say the word mama, you were a sinner. Now, that may be a hard pill to swallow, and it's a sobering thing to consider. But if anyone has ever dealt with the baby knows, babies can be very fickle. And a lot of times, yes, they don't know everything, but they know enough to know right from wrong to some degree. You can tell a child no, and they understand what no means, but they'll still do what they want to do anyway. That doesn't change from when you're an infant to when you're an adult. God tells us no all the time, but we still do what we want to do anyway. Now, why is that? Because we are born sinners. This idea of being a sinner is not something that we accrued over time. It's something that's inherently in us. Look at it from this perspective. When you were a child and you did something wrong and your mom or your dad called you out on it and said, did you do X, did you do Y? More times than not, your first inclination was to lie. Now, you were a child. Nobody sat down and taught you how to lie, but lying came natural to you. Why do you think that is? Because we're born sinners. Because we have this inclination in us to sin. But if you think about from the moment you and I were a child, and knew instinctively how to lie to our parents, you don't think that that inclination is going to grow? All you have to do is look at the world. All you have to do is think about something that someone may have done to you that you didn't see coming from a person you didn't expect. And you may say to yourself, I can't believe this person would have done this to me. I can't believe that this person would have responded in this manner. I can't even fathom how did this person do something so vindictive? How did this person do something so underhanded? How did this person do something so egregious and evil? But when you look at it from the perspective of someone is having that same conversation about you. Someone is saying, I can't believe you did something so underhanded. You did something. Now, you may never be aware that you did it, but let's be honest. All of us at some point, let me rephrase that. All of us on many occasions (laughs) have offended people. All of us in many cases have done people wrong. All of us on many cases have been absolutely selfish. No one is above that. And the scripture says, again, if we claim we have no sin, we're calling God a liar. And the psalmist says we were sinful from the moment our mother conceived us. One more scripture just to bring this point about being born in sin home. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone 
because everyone sinned. Death is a byproduct and a result of sin. And all of us are going to die at some point. That's a fact that we can't shake and we can't escape. But the fact that we are going to die is, is because we are sinners. Because sin entered through Adam. Now, I'm sure in some degree, you resemble your parents. You might have your mother's skin tone. You might have your mother's nose. You might have your father's eyes. You may have something. But in some way, you resemble your parents from a physical perspective. Well, Adam was the original human being. We all resemble him. In this perspective, we look like him in the terms of our character. We all sin just like Adam did. Him being our forefather, he has passed down the sin nature that he has to all of us. So no matter how many good deeds you do, no matter how charitable you may be, no matter how much you serve in church, no matter how much you read your Bible, you and I are still sinners. And that thought should sink in because the fact that we're sinners means that there is a price for our sins that we can't pay. But there's good news in Jesus Christ. So we're not good people because we're born in sin. But then secondly, we are not good people because we live in a world that approves of sin. Think about it. The world we live in If you're a Christian, you've seen this. Even if you're not, let's be honest. Most people don't have a rosy view of the world. Most people don't look at the world and and are optimistic. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. Most of us, whenever you turn on the TV, whenever you look at your phone, you look at the news, any kind of way you keep in touch with current events, more times than not, it's not something that's positive. More times than not, you're hearing about some crime. You're hearing about the economy going down. We got COVID right now. It's just the world is a place that just seems so bad. Now, that doesn't mean that there's no good in the world. That doesn't mean there's nothing good. God created the planet. God created the heavens and the earth. So anything he creates is good. The problem isn't that his creation hasn't turned bad. We've corrupted his creation. The world is a byproduct of our sinful nature and a byproduct of our sinful thoughts and sinful inclinations. And of course, the world is a system created by the enemy. So let me give you a scripture. First John chapter two, verses 15 and 16. This is probably a scripture that those of us who are Christians are familiar with. And I like what it says in the New Living Translation. It says, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you know what it says here, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Ouch. Verse 16. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we can see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Scripture is amazing and it pulls no punches. It says right here, look at what the word offers us. The world offers us physical pleasure, craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements. Look at how sinful that is. And we are engulfed in place in the middle of a world that perpetuates a system that does everything except what God wants us to do. 
The world says, hey, if it makes you feel good, do it. The world says, if you can see it, you can have it, go get it. The world says, pat yourself on the chest and brag to everyone about all the great things you've achieved and you've accomplished. You see the problem with that stuff? All of those things create idols. They create gods that usurp and marginalize the authority of the real, true, and living God. And if we think of idol worship, a lot of times we think of a literal God, like someone who's worshiping a different religious figure, a religious statue, like in the Old Testament, they literally carved idols out of stone and wood. But in this case, we have different idols. The idols are in the world, and these are the ones that we create because we only want to please ourselves. Physical pleasure, craving for what we see, and pride and recognition from others. Look at the world we live in today. Look at how people are clamoring for likes on Instagram and on social media. They just want people to recognize, look at me, look at me, selfies, look at me, look at me, likes on Instagram, look at me, look at me, look at me. Pride, pride, pride. And all that's pointing to is you, 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 and God is totally not in the picture. And the world perpetuates that idea. You only live once. You might as well indulge. You might as well do it. Hey, as long as you're not hurting anybody else and it makes you feel good, go ahead and do it. So all the while, the standard that God has set is totally being ignored. You see how dangerous that is? The scripture we just read in 1 John says that if you do this stuff, when you love the world, the love of the Father isn't in you. See, again, I've talked about this in previous episodes. We love to talk about the love of God, but we don't like to talk about the requirements that God has for us. Yes, he loves us like any loving parent does, but just because you love someone does not mean you approve of everything they do. As a parent, you chastise your children when they do something wrong because you love them. You want to correct their behavior. And God has set a standard. That yes, the scripture says we are in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. We're supposed to be the ones that are changing the world. But instead, more times than not, the world is changing us. One more scripture. We'll move on to the last point. Romans 12, verse 2, another uh, really famous scripture for those who, who are Christians. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want to start right there before I read the second part. Look what it says. Don't conform. Don't become a part of. Don't fit in to the world, but be transformed, changed, changed, made different by the renewing. And look at the word. It doesn't say renew as in once. Renewing is a constant thing. By the renewing of your mind. And the second part of this verse really addresses how We need to know what God's plan is for our lives. You want to know what God's will is? Look at what it says. By being transformed by the renewing of our mind, look at what it says. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Could be that our minds are cluttered without knowing what God's will is because our minds haven't been transformed. Because we're looking for direction from God everywhere else but from God. 
We're looking for people to give us an answer. We're going to self-help gurus and we're going to conferences and we're reading these books and we're going everywhere else but to God himself. We're looking for the world to give us godly comfort. Think about how dysfunctional that is. So the world system that we live in is totally catering to our sinful nature. Remember, we're born in sin. And because we're born in sin, we're living in a world that's going to cater to the things we want. I mentioned this in a previous episode that waiting on God is hard and it's even harder because our minds are clouded with this is what I want and I want it now. And and God, you are supposed to make it happen for me. But we don't even think about the fact that maybe what I want isn't right because we don't want to fathom the thought that we're wrong. We don't want to fathom the thought that we are going against God's wishes because we feel like we know what's best. And somehow, some way, that totally supersedes God's knowledge and wisdom and will. But the scripture just says that we just read in Romans 12, that when we are not conforming to the path of the world and transform our renewing of our minds, then we can see what God's will is. But it's obvious that God's will would never be found in the world. All right. Last point for this week's episode and for this first in the series. We are not good people because we want to sin. Hmm. That sounds harsh. What do you mean I want to sin? I want to do the right things. I, I try my best to live in harmony with people. I try to do the right things. Yeah, that sounds good. But if we're going to be honest, we all have desires. We all have inclinations and we all have temptations that maybe no one else knows that you have and no one knows what's in your mind, but you think about them regularly. And these are things that you know you shouldn't want. And again, I'm going to let you off the hook a little bit. Uh, it's really not all your fault because it's not all our fault because we're born that way to some degree. We're born that way. We're born with a sinful disposition. But because we're born with a sinful disposition, we live in a world that caters to our sinful disposition, then we want to carry out what our sinful disposition wants. Here's the scripture. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Wow. The Bible is crystal clear <laughs> that we have a desire to sin. Let's say someone does you wrong. And in your anger, in your frustration, in your hurt, you retaliate to some degree. Be honest. It felt really good, didn't it? <laughs> but that person did you wrong and you, you know, somebody insulted you, you insulted them back. Or you had a way to get some retribution or to get some vindication and you carried out your own form of justice. Be honest. You absolutely loved it. You relished it. You relish in seeing that person getting their quote unquote just desserts. They did me wrong. So, hey, I'm going to give you back 
what you gave to me and you absolutely loved it. Let's be honest. But God says that he's the one that repays. He's the one that carries out vengeance. He says, vengeance is mine. The Bible says, do not repay evil for evil. But we want to sin. When someone does us wrong, we want to get them back. But let's take it even a step further. You may see something we talked about in the previous point, something you want that you know you can't have, that you know you shouldn't have, but you still try to get it anyway. And there's alarms that are blaring in your mind, alarms that are blaring in your spirit that says, no, danger, no, danger, no, danger. But what do you and I do? We turn that part off and we go do it anyway, because what it looks like is so enticing to us that it blinds us to the reality that we are sinning against God. See, the enemy is very clever. He knows what we desire. He knows how to entrap us. Now, let's be honest. In the scripture, in James, it, we have a desire for it already. But the desire for it, coupled with the enemy catering and creating a scenario for us to achieve that desire, is a perfect storm for us to sin. Because again, you want it, and the enemy puts you in a position to get it. It tries to make it easy. Then what he does is he tries to make you think that, I know God told you to wait, but you can have it now. And he, he presents to you and I the promised immediate gratification of not having to wait. You can have it now, but not even telling us that what we're going to get first and foremost is a sad substitute for the real thing. And then secondly, the guilt, regret, and condemnation is going to come as a result of going after what we wanted, what we know we shouldn't have. So we want to do wrong. We want to sin. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow, but if you really are honest with yourself, you and I, we want to do things that we know we shouldn't do. And we have done them time and time and time again. And you may say, well, I was just doing how I felt. I felt so strongly about it and my feelings were leading me that. Well, when it comes to doing the right thing, should we really listen to our heart? Should we really listen to our feelings? Should our heart be the real barometer of whether we should do something or not? While you ponder that question, let me give you a scriptural answer. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. Look at what it says. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Our hearts, ladies and gentlemen, are not as pure as we think they are. And how do we know that? Let's go to verse 10. Scripture says, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So again, if we're going to be honest. The things that we want and our heart's desires are not always pure. They're not always doing for the purpose of doing the right thing. Our hearts are not always led by integrity and a desire to do the right thing. Our, our pursuits are not always noble. Look at what it says in verse 10 again. He examines our secret motives. The things that our hearts desire are typically not things that God desires. The things that our heart wants 
are typically not things in line with God's will. So we can't even use the excuse of saying, well, you know, the Lord knows my heart. <laughs> we hear that scripture all the time. Really? You're absolutely right in a sense. He does know your heart. He knows that it's deceitfully wicked. He knows that your heart has secret motives. And he also knows he's going to give you and our rewards based on our actions and the hidden motives of our heart. We can't hide behind that old cliche of the Lord knows my heart, because if you do, that's a scary place to be hiding. Because in actuality, if you're hiding behind your heart, you're really going to be exposed. And the scripture makes it clear that our hearts are deceitful. Now, I know this is not the most uplifting of episodes this week. I know it may seem like harsh reality, but love for someone means telling them the truth. It would be wrong for me to claim to be someone who has love for others, to let them live lives thinking that they're good people, that they're doing the right things, knowing that their sin debt is just accruing daily and there is no payment for their sins and there are repercussions for their sin. But here's the good news. The good news is that despite the fact that we're born in sin, despite the fact that the world approves sin, and despite the fact that we want to sin, there is a cure for our sin disease. And that cure is Jesus Christ himself. Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It says, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. So, yes, we're sinners. But if we're Christians, we are sinners who are saved by the grace and the wonderful love of God. Jesus, an innocent, flawless, perfect sacrifice for a flawed, guilty people, for people like you and I. And that's why the grace of God is so amazing. So this episode, the first of my series of obstacles to salvation, I hope this is something that we overcome because the good news is we don't have to perform to become Christians. We don't have to perform to receive salvation. We just have to acknowledge that we need salvation. And Jesus is ready and willing right now to receive anyone who comes to him. He says, come to me, all those who are weary, heavy laden. He will give you rest. He is willing to take the burden of sin off of your life forever and give you a new life in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, we are a new creation. Old things pass away and all things become new. There is a new life awaiting you. If you come to the conclusion that you are not a good person, that you need the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from your sins, and let him restore you, renew you, and reinvigorate you and instill his spirit. That is my prayer. If there's anyone who's listening and you know that you have not been reconciled back to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, do not wait another second. Do not wait another day. Come to God right where you are. Go to him and renew your life. Confess your sins and accept Jesus today. If you do that, the best is yet to come. And when I say the best, I mean a life renewed, a life of joy that surpasses all understanding. 
But this joy can only be attained by accepting the fact that you are a sinner and your only cure is Jesus Christ himself. None of us are good people. If we claim we have not sinned, the scripture says in 1 John, we call God a liar. But verse 9, as I referenced earlier, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Be cleansed today from your sin debt and start a new life in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. I appreciate your support. And until next time, as always, make sure your light shines brightest for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, beyond the benediction. Thank you.